Welcome everybody to the British Tinnitus Association Tinnitus and Relationships podcast, which we are featuring as part of Tinnitus Week, as the theme of Tinnitus Week is isolation. We have some people here to talk about their experiences and I'll let them introduce themselves. Uh, my name's Stephen Harrison. I've had tinnitus since around about 2003. Uh, I also get involved in advocacy through non-profit Tinnitus Hub. Um, I'm Sarah Alden and I'm Steve's partner, so I'm here in that capacity. My name's Cheryl Thompson. I'm an audiologist, now working as an independent, but with a history of working with tinnitus patients for the NHS. Hello, I'm Dominic Bray. I'm a clinical psychologist working in the NHS with people with tinnitus and their families. And my name's Nick Ray and I've worked for the British Tinnitus Association for a number of years as their communications manager and I'll be chairing this discussion. So to start with, I think perhaps we should reflect on people's experiences of tinnitus and the impact that it can have on their relationships. Steve, do you want to start? <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I guess that um, I, I got tinnitus uh, before I met Sarah. Um, but at the time it was quite mild and I didn't really know too much about it. So I think when we first got together, it was not something that was an issue. However, after not too long, we moved, uh, we moved down to Brighton together. And uh, I think it became something which started to limit what I could do. And, uh, and I wouldn't say it had an effect on the relationship hugely, but it did cause some issues because... There was times when I kind of stopped. I, I wanted to withdraw socially. I didn't want to go out to allowed places. If we were out on a night out, I would, I would say, look, I'm not going clubbing. Or if I did go clubbing, I would probably sit in a quiet corner with a bit of a face on. <laughs> and it was that management side of it. It was quite difficult to start off with because when I first got it, I was very much in partying phase of my life. So, Sarah, you, you smiled and nodded at yeah. Steve sitting in a corner with his face on. It was that really... Yeah. how it was i think early on in the relationship it was quite difficult really because i i didn't necessarily understand that much about tinnitus and how it might impact um on steve so he didn't really talk about it so when these things sort of initially happened i wasn't quite sure why they were happening and i wasn't sure how to sort of broach i mean he mentioned they had tinnitus but i didn't know an awful lot about it so it's quite difficult to I didn't want to necessarily talk to him about it in case it then brought it sort of to the fore mm. of his mind and he'd be thinking, oh, oh yes, I've got this, and then become more aware of it. Um, so I, but over time, it got easier because I think I began to understand, I suppose, more about tinnitus through talking to Steve. I think that's how, because he's involved in, in quite a few things as well. So I guess my understanding sort of increased as, as sort of over the years. And I just got, I learned to sort of accept that we couldn't necessarily go to, to see a live band or if we were at a wedding, it'd be quite difficult for Steve to sort of stay in a room if a, a live band started and yeah. that I'd feel I need to go out with him because I wouldn't want him to just go out and everyone else is in there having a good time. So I think over time, um, it's just something that you accept. There's also, I guess there's also things as well sort of at home in a home environment. So it can be... I guess quite small things really about being careful with cutlery. So sometimes if I bang cutlery, I'm, thinning, I'm like this. I can be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I can feel he's, he get quite sort of annoyed. And, and so I'm, sometimes I can be walking on eggshells if I think he's particularly 
experience in sort of a bad, I guess, you know, how would you, how would you put well, it? Well, a bad, bad day, yeah. Yeah, if you're having a bad day, I guess I would be a little bit more walking on eggshells. Yeah. But again, it's something I've got used to, that I just need to be more careful and... Did you find actually knowing more information about tinnitus helpful, about understanding what it was and what perhaps the impact could be? I think, it, yeah, it's definitely helpful. So I think you need to sort of understand to be able to accept particular things and also... Yeah. I guess to know where somebody else is coming from and why they might be in a bad mood. I think one of our worst times was when... Um... Well, uh, to, just the context of it, <laughs> yeah. twice okay. with me tinnitus I've had hyperacusis. So uh, in the early stages of it, I've had a real hyperacusis, a different, I had this sort of sound tolerance hyperacusis. So, yeah, if, we, if anybody that isn't aware, hyperacusis is a, is a sensitivity to particular sounds. Mm. So initially I had um, where I would I would just get real real irritation and the tinnitus would spike up with the sound tolerance hyperacusis. Uh, where we lived in Brighton, uh, I swear they did no maintenance on the buses. So every single time you went into town, the screeching of the buses, that was unbelievable. And then the ambulances and things like that, it was just finger in the ear and it kind of stops you from wanting to go out sometimes because of the noise. I managed to get over that. Um, and then what Sarah was about to talk about, I had uh, an ear infection and I, for about three months, had pain hyperacusis uh, associated with that. And I'll let you carry on. <laughs> and my voice um, was a trigger. So my voice essentially made that worse, made those symptoms worse. Uh, Which is very difficult to yeah. uh, tell your partner, could you stop talking because yeah. it's causing me pain? <laughs> and I laughed, I laughed this off at the time, but of course, it was quite upsetting because I thought, well, can can not talk to you ever again. It wasn't necessarily just talking, it was maybe more the high pitch sounds or the S's. And but of course when you yeah, speak, um, an S usually turns up in a sentence. So yeah, it was kind of thinking, oh, you know, what word can I say? That well, that was that was a particularly low point, I would say. Could I but, ask you this? I mean, yeah. maybe intrusive, but we talked about Steve's bad days, like when you were having a bad day and before you knew more about the tinnitus and stuff like that, could you say what was going through your head when he was withdrawing and you're walking on eggshells and all that kind of stuff? Well, it's difficult because sometimes, I think you learn over time not to take it personally. And I think at the beginning, sometimes you can take it personally. You think it's me, I'm annoying him, it's, it's something I'm doing. And then it can take time to think, well, actually, it's not necessarily something I'm doing. It's because of what, it, you know, the symptoms that Steve's experiencing. So at first it was, it was difficult, but I think over time, I mean, of course, every now and again now, if, if he is, you know, if I feel he's withdrawing, I'm thinking, is this because of the tinnitus or is it because of something I've done? And I might be reluctant, I guess, to ask in case, again, I sort of draw attention to the tinnitus. And it, yeah, so it's, uh, it is, it has got better, I think, over time. Yeah, I think I'm more inclined to talk about it all the yeah, time. Yeah, I, I think Whereas that's I true was, as well. Yeah. I would just kind of, when you have a bad day, and it's really loud. I mean, some days I can be as if I'm standing on the tarmac next to a jet engine. It's that loud. Um, and if I'm having a bad day like that, then I can be irritable. Um, but I do tell people about it, whereas maybe in the earlier days I didn't tell people. Now I do. Yeah. I mean, at work, um, I remember 
uh, I'm sure he won't listen to this, so I'm all right. Uh, a boss of mine actually mocked us for the tinnitus because I was saying, look, I don't want to do this. I, I want to keep away from loud noises. And it was very, very difficult to kind of get mocked about it. Um, I'm, I'm quite a strong-willed person and I'm kind of... Um, my attitude is if somebody doesn't understand it, I'll probably just stick two fingers up and walk away sort of thing. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I think it is important to talk about the person that is supporting the individual with tinnitus, because if that person is severely troubled by the tinnitus, mm. it can be quite a strain on the person that is supporting them. Mm. So I think it's important for the supporter to have a good network, sort of perhaps a timeout or be able to um, go and talk to somebody themselves about, you know, the issues that they're having or the, the tensions right. that they're feeling and just get a little bit of reassurance themselves as well that you are doing, you know, you are doing your best for that person and supporting them well generally. Yeah, because I think that's the thing. It, and it does, tinnitus does make you withdraw. If you're having a bad day, you do go into yourself. There's no, there's no way of really preventing that because it can, it just makes you sort of angry, irritated and... Yeah. And I think, again, talking about that, because if you're if your thoughts lead you to those moods and those behaviours by actually having a dialogue with the person, your, your significant other half, it keeps them well informed yeah. um, and it perhaps allows them to ask you a few questions to say, look, if you're feeling like this, let's go out and, you know, if you're somebody that loves walking, it might be the time to get your coats on and go out on a, a bit of a walk, you know, just offer a bit of encouragement and support and, and just listen really and acknowledge the difficulties that um, you're, having, um, you're having at that time, which hopefully is a support for the person that's going through those, um, you know, having those feelings. So, Dominic, you've experienced in, in counselling people with tinnitus and obviously relationships have probably come up as a, a topic in that. Um, what do you find in, in clinic? Well, what I've noticed so far listening to Sarah and Steve talk is um, how um, kind they are with each other and how far they've come. Uh, but with their permission, I'd like to take them slightly back to the earlier days. Uh, I'd, again, in clinic, I do see people who are, again, compassionate to each other, but not always. And so the question I want to ask Sarah is, in the early days, when Steve was withdrawing and what have you, and you were having a bad day, did you ever think, oh, he's just being a bit of an arse here and uh, he's, he's, he's playing this up or he's not trying hard enough or I'm having a bad day too, or are you actually as, as gentle and as saintly as you, you've come across so far? Well, no, I mean, obviously sometimes, like I say, when you have the hyper acusis, you know, outside, outwardly, I would just sort of have you know, say, oh, it's quite funny, isn't it? Inwardly, it's just like, you know, that can't go on. Exasperation. Um, yeah, I think in the early days, sometimes if if it was prolonged particularly, so I think if it lasted for the day, yeah, I would start to think, well, you could, you know, you could try a little bit more here, you know, on what's going on. But this is mainly because I think we didn't talk so much about it, so I wouldn't necessarily know... I might think, but I didn't know it was be, it was related to having a bad day um, or experiencing particularly a tinnitus particularly loudly or in particular ways. So I think that was part of it as well. So it would it would be well. This is this because of something else? So yeah, I would 
I would get quite annoyed. I'd lose patience. Or I'd want to. I'd just go out and think, oh, I'm just you know, leave them to it. Then, yeah, definitely. Of course, I would get annoyed and uh, irritated sometimes. It is quite difficult to be under. I think to be understanding when you don't necessarily talk about something because then you, your own imagination comes up with all sorts of things that you then take off, and then it becomes sort of personal, as I say, rather than being because of. Um, the condition that Steve has. So, yes, definitely. <laughs> and I think that, again, it's because I didn't talk about it. Yeah. And then that's something I learned over time to learn to talk about it. And, and a lot of people do keep it bottled up inside. And like say, when you do that, you can cause a lot of problems. Sarah was saying earlier, though, she was in a bit of a dilemma because do I mention it and then yeah. maybe make it worse and maybe make him feel blamed or targeted or whatever else you're thinking, or do I not mention it? But then, so you you're a bit of a catch-22 there. I mean, what, what changed? Um, I think it just gradually changed. I actually, maybe when you and Steve started to get more involved in as a volunteer, working as a volunteer for, um, for the Tinnitus Organisation, I think because he was talking about that, it started to open up more about um, some of the other people's experiences. And within that as well, I think I... I became more aware and I looked at some of the things or heard some of the things that were going on. So it, it just began, well, I guess we started to talk. It wasn't a conscious thing one day where it was like, oh, I want to talk to you more about this. It just it just happened organically, really. It just happened over time. Um, it's difficult for me to think of the point when it started to change. I guess we've been together 14 years. So it, it was a gradual thing across that time, I would say, maybe the last few few years in particular, um, Steve's much more open about it and you say, oh, my tin is loud today. Yeah. But I also feel that you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily react so much or for so long. Anyway, I think sometimes you might have kind of shorter bursts where you're feeling quite, where you might sort of withdraw, but it doesn't seem to last. Yeah. And it may be because years ago you were still getting used to it and I don't know, I can't answer that. Uh, I suppose, yeah, I, I, I do it, well, not that, but the term getting used to it, I'm, I'm almost opposed to because I hate the idea of getting used to it. But yeah. habituation, I guess, in the, yeah. in that process of habituation, yeah, because I've faced, I've probably faced as nearly as bad as it can get, you know, let's say screech and levels where I just couldn't do anything about it, you know. Uh, and because I've been up and down, and also I've got variable tinnitus, so mine does not stay constant. I've got multiple tones, I've got multiple frequencies, so if I mask some of them, another one will pop up. So I have to mask all the frequency ranges at once if I want to mask something. Um, and because I've got that reactive as well, I struggle to listen to music quite a lot because it makes me tinnitus spike. There's a lot of different factors to the tinnitus, and I think that you, when you get so much thrown at you, you just almost switch off to it. I, I mean, I don't, don't get us wrong. Um, but you, you almost kind of, you, you learn more to push it into the background. Whereas I would say that I was probably more psychologically messed up in the early days when it was quiet enough they had to plug me ears to hear it, which is ridiculous, <laughs> but. I think the comments that you make about it being a variable journey are good as well, because it's not a linear recovery as you will know. And I think if you have developed the skills that are helping you to manage the tinnitus efficiently, the times where it is a little bit more noticeable, 
you can then sort of build on the reserves or use the reserves that you've got. And I think as a having um, a partner or significant other person supporting you, that's got to be helpful as well to yeah. sort of be able to get into some dialogue with them and just say, you know, feeling a little bit rubbish today. Um, and again, just bring everything out into the open and, and just get chatting about things. Yeah. Why do you think some people don't want to share the impact that their tinnitus is having. I mean, Steve is very articulate about his tinnitus and is very switched on to it. And even he was finding it difficult to talk to Sarah about it. So what's it like for other people that, that you've come across who are troubled by their tinnitus? I think a lot of people that I've spoken to where they have said to me, look, I have these noises, but I don't generally... You, some people might say you're the first person that I've actually mentioned it to. Um, a lot of people are fearful that they people may think they're going mad if I say I can hear these noises that nobody else can hear. Um, I think sometimes people worry about putting other worries into a relationship, so they might say, you know, we're already struggling with X, Y, or Z. I don't want to add to those issues, so I just generally try my best to get on with um, with things. And I think as well, some people are very fearful that it indicates some underlying health problem and for whatever reason, don't feel that they're able to go and actually ask the healthcare professionals if that's the case, whether they're worried about the answer. Um, but I think there are various various reasons really to, to each individual. Yeah. Does that chime with, with the experience of people that you see, yeah, Dominic? And, and I'd possibly add to that as well, that kind of fear of being judged, potentially. I'm, I'm, I'm most keen to hear what uh, Sarah and Steve have to say, but you know, just to, adding my two pennies worth, if you say to your significant other, I've got this problem and you worried they might say we'll just get on with it I've got it worse than you and you're weak or any of that kind of stuff uh, and and some people actually <laughs> believe that they they can mask it from their partner but in the end they can't because their frustration it will still come out so in a sense it seems to be the worst thing you can do is to try and hold it in because it will come out anyway I think sometimes as well people have heard other people chatting and said oh I've had I've had this tinnitus yes. thing, but I've been told there's nothing can be done. I've got to learn to live with it. And if that's sort of what you're up against before yeah. you even go to speak to a healthcare professional, that can just add to the um, perhaps the worry and anxiety of actually taking that first step and going and doing it. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced people because I, I do work around construction sites mm -hmm. and uh, one that sticks in my head on uh, a job I went on to, <clears throat> and I mentioned it to the guy in the site. I said, oh, yeah, tinnitus is playing up today because, you know, I, but the course of however long ago it was, I just spoke very openly about it. And he, go, he said, yeah, I've got that. He said, stop talking about it now. I don't want to talk about it because when I talk about it, I can hear it and it's getting louder. So there's an element of that as well. Yeah, I mean, my, my dad's had tinnitus 40 years. I don't talk a lot about my job because he'll then hear the sound. Yeah. Um, so I, it's, it's not a subject that comes up for discussion. That, that brings up another thing. If someone's got tinnitus as a result of what someone else has done to them, whether it's an occupational thing or whether it's an attack or something like that, then oftentimes people will not want to talk about it because it makes them angry. Yeah, it's very difficult to move past that, I think. And I've got, I've, 
met and uh, discussed with quite a lot of patients over the years, the tinnitus, and there's so many things around that where there can be an anger thing if it's been through a car accident or it's been through something like that, where yeah, it's kind of coming to terms with it as well is very, very difficult that this particular event has given me a tinnitus and you're stuck with it. So we're talking about perhaps why people don't talk about their tinnitus, but if we move on to perhaps why family and friends might not understand what tinnitus is, do you think, you know, perhaps because it's a hidden condition or is it because it's so variable that people can't sort of grasp what it's actually like? What do you think the, the gaps are in, in people's understanding? I think one other thing you, you find with family is that somebody, people don't appreciate that it's not just tinnitus. There's, there's no one tinnitus. Uh, there's no one level of intrusiveness. There's no that, oh, well, I'm a strong person so I can deal with it because it just doesn't work like that. It can cripple the most strong-willed person and people you'd think of as weak-willed will just brush it off. You know, you, there's no rules at all. And it, people can say there's a family member, oh, yeah, well, your uncle Tom's got it and he's not bothered by it. Stop mourning. They don't, people don't quite understand. There's a lack of understanding with, about the condition that somebody can have it that bad that it really isn't ignorable. It has to be noticed and it's kind of competing for attention. And it's incredibly different from other people. Just now, Steve, you were talking about uh, how other people's reactions can be unhelpful, um, not listening, perhaps judgmental and really not appreciating the impact of tinnitus on you. Is that basically yeah. what you're saying? And, yeah. You know, it struck me, this is like a very old story. There's a biblical story about a chap called Job, where through no fault of his own, the world fell apart for him, the roof fell out of his house, and he lost practically everything. And after quite a short time, people came around and started telling him why it was something he'd done wrong, some kind of personal failing. And even if it's not quite put in those terms, it can come across to people that way, and that can obviously make the field 10 times worse. I think the other thing with um, tinnitus is because you can't visibly see that someone has tinnitus. Even if you have somebody who acknowledges, you say to somebody, I'm struggling at the moment with my tinnitus, they've got that thought at the moment, but then they can be very quickly distracted. And then when they turn back to you because you haven't got a potted yeah. on your leg or sort of some, some plaster somewhere, it's very easy to slip out of someone's mind and it's almost a passing thought that's gone, that's gone already. That actually is probably a good spot for us to break because we can now move on to actually things we should be doing in our relationships to, to manage them successfully with people with tinnitus. Welcome to part two of the British Tinnitus Association Tinnitus and Relationships podcasts. We've been talking about the impact of tinnitus on people's relationships and now we're going to move to talk perhaps about some of the advice and tips we've gained from experience about how to reduce the impact perhaps of tinnitus on these relationships and actually move forward and, and enjoy life as much as you can with tinnitus. So who would like to kind of offer the, the key piece of advice that they've learnt about tinnitus and relationships. Yeah, I think for me, I would always say that you, you have to you have to look at it logically. You have to think, look at the things which actually do have an impact, make your tinnitus worse or cause an issue for you, and you have to learn how to manage them. And I think you have to discuss that with your partner as well to say, look, I can go to an event, however, 
when the band starts, I need to step outside, or I can do this. However, when this happens, I might need to put earplugs in, or I might need to do such and such. What you shouldn't do is overprotect, overreact, because all that does is let the tinnitus take control of you rather than you take control of the tinnitus. But what you really need to do is manage it and understand. You've got to develop and understand, and if you're in the early stages, you have to just figure out what the parameters of tinnitus are for you. I know what I can do, what makes me worse now, and I've learned how to manage those things. Not all of them. Uh, unfortunately, um, lifting weights makes us worse, but I'm not about to stop going to the gym. <laughs> so I know that, but I, I try and learn to manage it, and I try and change up routines, and I try and do things which maybe won't cause jaw strain or muscle strain or neck strain, which contribute towards it. Can I push you slightly? Which one of you could answer this question. What's your advice to the nearest and dearest? Because you kind of talked about it from the patient's point of view. So which one of you would be able to give the best advice to the significant others? I think this idea of knowledge is power. I think it helps people to understand what tinnitus is. And I think it's important to do that. But also, it's quite difficult to give specific advice to anybody because everybody's different. Um, not just the person with tinnitus, of course, but the person who you know, the partners, so they might have different um, different needs, different, different sort of ways of um, managing things. So it's talking about it, and I think that's key, is just talking to your partner or your loved one to find out how it's affecting them and explain how it's affecting you. So just feel free to be open. And I think in the early early parts of our relationship, I didn't feel that I could be open and ask about it because I was worried that it would make it come to the forefront. And so that caused probably quite a lot of tension at that time, just because we didn't talk about it. And also because I didn't know that much about it as well. So I think those two things are key for me. What difference did knowing about it make to you? I think it's just, it was just more awareness of how it could affect people. So it wasn't so much looking sort of at this textbook idea, what, what is tinnitus, but how other people experience it. So, for example, as Steve becoming involved in um, the, sort of the tinnitus work that he has, it's, it's sort of getting more awareness of other people who have the condition and how, how they live with that condition. And I think the real variability as well um, of people's experiences, it just made me far more aware of how it really can impact on somebody's life. And it's not just a case of it's a ringing in the ears and, you know, that's it. It's a lot more than that. And I think when you sort of look into it more, it gives you more of an appreciation about how it can impact on someone's everyday life rather than just being that noise in the background. I think another thing which I've found, maybe not so much with you, I don't know, but at work, I, um, I was checking out uh, a video that we did um, where I'd contact, we'd contacted quite a few people and had synthesised the sounds of the tinnitus. So similar to what the BTA have got on the tinnitus sounds. And I put that on when I was in the office and uh, a colleague just looked and he said, what the hell is that? He used different terms, but... Um, <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's me tinnitus. He said, seriously, that's what you actually have to listen to? I was like, aye, oh, yeah. Um, and he, he was like, whoa, it really sort of knocked him for six. And he was like, right, now I know if you're in a bit of a sort of moody sort of thing. I, mean, I don't get moody as often as I, maybe I used to a bit more as well. But sometimes I can be a bit, 
when you're exasperated. And now he's got an understanding of why. And I think other people I've worked with realised actually it's not a very nice thing to listen to. I think sort of personally from from my perspective, I would say that if you're struggling with intrusive tinnitus and you've not been through the medical system, I think my first sort of advice would be um, to speak to somebody professionally who can help you, perhaps visit your GP, um, see whether your GP can get a referral to um, a local hospital. Um, I think information, I know you were saying various types of information are helpful but I think with any condition or with any new condition or anything that you're struggling to manage the more you know about things generally the more demystified they become the less fearful they become and I think because tinnitus and anxiety are sort of very wrapped together if things do become less fearful and your anxiety levels do become less as a result of knowing more about the condition that sort of can be helpful with regards moving you on um, and again, if you have got somebody who wants to attend an appointment with you, the people that are supporting the, the person managing the tinnitus, the more information, I know as Sarah said, the more information that you've got as well, I think the better empowered you are to support that person um, efficiently. But I think the key things are listen, because a lot of the time people haven't had the space or what they felt is a safe space um, just to speak and somebody to listen and not judge them and perhaps tell them to pull themselves together. So I think if you give somebody time, um, if you're there to support somebody and give them encouragement along that journey, um, I think that can be really, really helpful as part of a, a relationship, whether that be as a, a partner, a friend or, or, or just somebody just somebody who's in your support network. And I would just slightly add to that as well, before you do go to the GP, um, there's a very high likelihood that you'll know more about tinnitus than they do as a patient. Do your research, make sure you're telling the right information. Because if you don't go there for round, they will not know what to do with you, uh, really, realistically. And, and that's not the fault of a GP. The BTA produced information for GPs. They're just so busy. Tinnitus is such a niche thing that they don't have time to understand it properly. I think as well, sort of when you're saying research tinnitus, it's important to get onto a well-regulated website yeah. because if you put tinnitus into the internet and just search, there's all sorts of things that, that can come up, some which can be quite worrying. Mm. Um, and I think it's, not, it's important not to lose focus of the fact that you can have tinnitus and be okay. Lots of people do, and that's, um, you know, that's a goal to aim towards. It's just actually getting um, the support network and getting things in place to, to sort of work towards that for an individual and, and their significant support. I was um, <clears throat> listening to uh, Steve and Sarah just then when they were talking about how it's good for other people to have some kind of um, experience of what the tinnitus might be like, either through you playing them sounds of the tinnitus or I think you said, Sarah, you were hearing about other people's experience. And I, I guess the, the net result of that is that um, you're less likely to make assumptions that the person with tinnitus isn't trying hard enough. You think, well, I would feel just as crap as they do. And so that's a, that's a great basis then to move forward together because you have a kind of shared understanding. You're in it, you're in it together. And then, so my top tip would be this, that it's very hard to notice when you don't have tinnitus because tinnitus is in itself a distressing kind of symptom. So we tend to be hardwired to notice it 
uh, because it's a fearful thing. Um, and Cheryl was talking about the anxiety. So it's all, it's all that kind of makes you pay attention to when tinnitus is there. Um, this is where, as long as you and your significant other are on the same page, you can be an excellent team. Because then you will then trust the significant other, not just to notice when you have tinnitus, but to notice when you don't have tinnitus, or to notice when tinnitus is less of a big issue to you. So early on, uh, off mic, we were talking about examples where Steve and Sarah had both been in a situation where neither of them had noticed that Steve wasn't experiencing tinnitus. So if you can trust your significant other, at the end of the day, have a think about, well, what happened today? What times were things better? And then that gives hope. Hope is so important. A hope that even if there's a nice medical fix to this, hope that tinnitus does not have to be there all the time to the same degree. It's not all powerful. It's not random. It's not completely uncontrollable. There is something that we can do that works at least some of the time. And if you're both in it together, looking for that thing that makes a difference, then you're much more likely to get there. Yeah, and I think that the important thing is making a plan together. And that part of that plan of understanding what makes it better, what makes it worse, and then working your way together around social situations and whatever else to make sure that, yeah, you can just get on. And if there's times when you can't be in the same room together, whatever it may be, whether it be a nice thing, then so be it. You just have to work your way around it and you have to learn how to move forward. Because if it's not going to go away, and I mean, it does go away for some people, the lucky um, things that they are. But uh, if it's not going to go away, you've got it. And that's that. Until somebody uh, jumps out of the woodwork with a cure, which I've been waiting for for an awful long time now, you've got to learn to, uh, to manage it. You've got no choice. And at the very, very least, you can make sure that you don't feed the tinnitus by being angry with each other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what one way I often, um, to somebody who doesn't quite understand tinnitus, uh, I explain to them that um, if you played this noise to somebody, it would actually be illegal in uh, the country we live in because it would be torture. It has been outlawed as torture. So you just have a little bit of understanding that it's not easy. Are there any sort of specific things that you've come across that people have said, actually, the most supportive thing my partner can do is X, Y, Z, or is that as individual as people's tinnitus? I think understanding's a big thing, because I've come across a lot of people, a lot of um, people with tinnitus, and some of the people who, um, there's one individual who I remember talking about it and how awful it was, and then you kind and you know how it really had this huge impact, and then again, thinking about me in the early days, it was barely audible. However, this person also had a partner who mocked them, who just told them to shut up and get on with it. And you can't help but think that actually that barely audible tinnitus was what would that have been if she'd actually had the support of a partner? I think the one golden rule for partners, etc., is if you possibly can assume that the other person is doing their best. Yeah, and I think be patient as well because it's not a quick journey. Um, it's a journey that will take time and it will have ups and downs, but hopefully you'll reach a point where things are looking better and you will 
be better empowered to cope with the more difficult times as your journey goes on and hopefully over time things should improve. Yeah, I think if on a habituation journey, I've habituated several times uh, to different levels of intrusiveness, different noises of tinnitus, and it's not easy. It's mm. a space. I mean, I'm, I always say to people I'm completely useless when it comes to treatment because I don't really do anything. I make sounds and music, and that's therapeutic for us. Um, but I am absolutely rubbish because I haven't really properly tried anything apart from one trial that I was on. Uh, but the habituation process does happen mm. if you do nothing. Uh, I mean, I... Well, yeah, this is where you, you are actually doing your treatment because you're getting on with your life. Yeah. That's the most important thing, isn't it? It's not yeah. about random, you know, individual things like sound generators because they will work for some people, not for others. It's not about, not about picking about those individual things. It's getting on with things that matter to you. Mm. And I think, again, talking about being reflective, if you've... The, Obviously, we've only met this morning, but just listening where you are now compared to where you probably were at times during your journey, yeah. if you're reflective, then you probably see that you have done the right thing because you have come on such, you know, you have come on such a lot. Yeah, I mean, don't get us wrong, it's not all unicorns and rainbows. Um, you know, I have difficult days. I mean, a couple of days ago, we were sitting, um, we both work at home a bit and there was uh, some music that we had on and I was listening. I was like, wow, I love that. But also at the point of listening to it, I was kind of mourning the loss of silence because I loved this sound that was coming out. I'm very into electronic music and electronic creation. But the tinnitus is just there, sitting alongside of it. And it was kind of this mourning for about sort of five minutes. You're just sitting there, I wish I could just listen to this. It'd be beautiful to hear this without that noise over the top of it. But maybe that would have been a period of days, you know, many years ago. Whereas there, it's kind of a fleeting thing that I'm able to, whether it's compartmentalize it, whatever it is I do, it's, a, it's not a conscious process. And that's a really good example of noticing things being better. And that then feeds success. The more you notice success, the more success you will have. But it's, it's a case of choosing to notice it and doing that as a team, if you possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and I know it's not easy for people. And, and I know there's people who just can't because, Sometimes, and I've experienced, you know, some real levels of intrusiveness. And I would say at those points, I didn't think there was anything I could do. Mm -hmm. And if somebody tells me, told me a psychological approach to it, I kind of give them a bit of a dirty look. <laughs> and there's points where you just have to ride it. Um, there's nothing you can do. You can't sit there and just say, look, yep, yeah, I'm thinking positively, so I'm going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody says that to you, you probably want to kill them. Which is never... A good point yeah. for any relationship. It's, it's not, it? no, you of know. course, no, of course, but you, you have to, you, well, you've got no choice but to write Sarah, them. Sarah, is there anything that you would kind of say you wish you had known or perhaps had done differently or if somebody who could, could have said a word of advice to you, is there anything you, you would do differently? Yeah, I don't think there's anything we've done it differently because I think the way I think about things is that they've sort of happened, I guess. But I would advise anybody else perhaps to talk about it. Anyone who is living with tinnitus to talk to their loved ones as you know as soon as they can and, and sort of communicate, uh, which is not something that Steve really did. Um, so that, that would be my main piece of advice, get it out there out into the open because then you can work and think about you know ways that you can work together perhaps 
Um, because if you don't know, or somebody doesn't talk to you, you don't necessarily, you don't know how it's impacting on that person as well. So that would be my main, my main thing that I would say. I, I think that's a good point as well, sort of getting in early, because I think particularly with support, early intervention, where you haven't got very fixed, very embedded ideas, makes you perhaps a little bit more amenable to change. Yeah, I mean, my early experiences were very bad. There were, um, I had um, an appointment. Um, originally, I got eardrops. My mum got us to get eardrops because, of course, you don't know what it is, you know. They, um, and then I went to the doctor, then I went to the hospital, had the scan because it was one sided originally. Uh, and then I sat with the consultant afterwards, and he literally did utter the uh, the exact phrase of, yep, you've got tinnitus, there's nothing I can do, you're just gonna have to learn to live with it. And he actually turned about 90 degrees to a piece of paper and just carried on writing. And at that point, I was just lost. It's funny that you say that, actually, to talk about your mum being involved. And it just made me think, you know, we went to mums for Christmas. Yeah. It's not a condition, it sort of is very hidden. It's not like your mum said, oh, how is, how yeah. is your tinnitus? How are you doing? Mm -hmm. As far as I know, it wasn't mentioned at all. Or was no, it? Maybe it was no, when I wasn't no, in the room. No, 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 no. Although she did tell us to take earplugs for the dogs barking. That's true. So there was that that thought, because the dogs, yeah, yeah, it has dogs and they can bark. And yeah, so there was that initial thing, but then no, yeah. it's not something that's talked about. And I guess, again, it's not something that's visible. Whereas if you had something that was visible, it's probably one of the first things that somebody would say is, oh, how's that doing? Is that improved? Mm. Uh, it's certainly just something there that, that yeah. struck me. It's not. It's just not talked about, and it's not to say it should be mm. um, necessarily. But it's. I think one, once you've got over that thing and you've explained to somebody what it is and what it's like, I think it's very easily forgotten. I think that's one of the biggest problems with tinnitus in terms of advocacy and trying to get people to understand it. You can play them a noise. You can explain it. But they forget yeah, about they it. Yeah, they get on with something else yeah. and then... Yeah, it's a memory. don't think about it necessarily. So, and I guess it's when you're in a relationship or a close friendship, then it does become a feature of that. But outside of that, yeah, people don't have to understand it or don't have to think about it again. And I, I can't remember, sorry, I can't remember how long ago you said you started your journey. About 2003, I had a, um, I had a work accident in 2002. I got hit by a, a steel girder in the jaw. Um, and about a year after that, I uh, developed tinnitus, but it was after about a flu, an ear infection. But I also did a lot of clubbing. I worked in Ibiza and did all the super clubs constantly when I was there. Uh, I did lots of damage to my ears. And I was also into heavy metal. Yeah. before that. So. I think there was, you would hope now that once your GP makes the referral to your designated hospital and you see the consultant there, um, that you would now be put on a management path. Um, you, you would like to think that that's the case now because things, yeah. things should be changing and there is a lot of hospital-based management now and support yeah. for people that are struggling to manage. I think the changing but there's still postcode lottery element of it um, and whatever services are available in your area that haven't been cut as well. And yeah, and whatever the NHS, of course, deems to be um, efficacious, which is a, an issue because, of course, there are things out there that are emerging mm -hmm. and it has to go through the whole nice process. So there's a long way to go before things would actually be part of a management plan for the NHS. And if you could go back in time that first consultation 
what do you wish? Well, after the other guy had pulled us off him. <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, compassion's a huge part of it. Um, and I, I always wonder back in time, if I had actually been given information, if I'd actually had an understanding of it, and I mean, I would, uh, I would, trade, I would trade a lot for uh, the tinnitus I had back then, now, because it was nothing, it was absolute zero. However, I became obsessive and because I had no guidance and no control, I used to plug my ear to listen to it. I'm in a loud space, I can't hear it. I wonder if I can still hear it, plug my ears, it's still there. And I became obsessive about it. Now, you know, I, I don't necessarily know for a fact if it wouldn't have got worse otherwise, but I think that obsessiveness and constantly focusing on it played a huge part in it developing into something chronic, whereas it may have actually faded away. But I can't say that for certain. But then I have got a somatic component and I had the jaw injury, so it probably would have carried on anyway. I mean, it took me eight years to realise about the jaw and the connection, so, which is an awfully long time. So I think what you're saying is, I think what's coming from everybody is actually knowledge, understanding, compassion, and kindness are going to go a long way both in helping the person with tinnitus and in their relationships with with the people around them and that these things are qualities to be developed not only in the supporter but the person who has the tinnitus themselves and the wider wider sort of network as well. Oh, absolutely. I think as, as much as the, um, the significant other in your life has to take the, the attitude with you of understanding, you also have to be the same with them and you have to try and sort of curb the, uh, the annoyance that you have due to the tinnitus and just, I mean, I, I've found that once you've got that out there and you say, look, I'm having a bad day because the tinnitus is loud, it unburdens you quite a lot. It doesn't make the tinnitus any better, but it makes the relationship better and it makes the situation a lot better. It does help because it makes it then less personal to that other person. You're saying, look, this is why I'm like this. It's not because you're doing something. And that, that really helps as well, as you think, oh, okay. It's not me, it's them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not because that last cup of tea was rubbish and mine was better. <laughs> well, I think this is probably a good point to, to wrap today's conversation up. And I would like to extend massive thanks to, to Steve and to Sarah for sharing their very personal experiences and to Cheryl and Dominic for sharing their professional experiences. Um, we've talked a lot about knowledge and information and a key source of information that is reliable and has been checked out and um, is up to date and evidence-based is can be found on the British Tinnitus Association website which is tinnitus.org.uk and we're also um, have a helpline to provide support to people with tinnitus and to their loved ones about um, one in eight of our calls actually comes from people who are supporting someone with tinnitus. And that helpline number is 0800 018 and can also be reached by email at helpline at tinnitus.org.uk. So once again, my thanks to everybody who's participated today. And um, yes, do get in touch with the British Tinnitus Association if we can help at all. <laughs>